I, I just also want to acknowledge um, Pastor Tag's message last Sunday, if you missed it. Um, it's on YouTube. Um, if you go to Church Unlimited, you put that in, you'll come up with that little red dot when you first put in Church Unlimited, the red U. Click on that and you've got all the um, preaching that's been going on for some time, the visiting speakers as well. They'll all be listed down there in date order. So if you missed his message uh, last week, you know, ex expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. And I'm just flowing on from that, really, with my message. I, when he was preaching, I think, uh-oh, he's starting to use verses that I was wanting to use, you know, and I think he's probably preaching it for me, but I just want to take it a step further. He brought verses out like, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. It says, now to him who is able, but he's actually waiting for us. More than we ask or imagine having never thought of. So in other words, we haven't actually thought of really what he wants to do through our lives and at work within us, and that is through you and me. He wants to work through you and me, and it's confirmed in verse 21. That's why I added that one on there, throughout all generations, and of course that encompasses us. Sometimes people say, oh, that was just for those times. I've even heard it preached in church that the book of Acts was only for that time. And they don't preach healing. They don't preach miracles. They don't preach the Holy Spirit. No, the Word of God actually says for all generations. So this is a verse for you and me. And again in Jeremiah 33, 3, Call to me, and I will answer you, and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. And to the Corinthians, Paul writes, What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. Now, we in this room love God. We all love him in different measures. When we give our heart to the Lord, we say, we give you our heart. Come and live in our heart. We probably, when we first start giving our heart to the Lord, we give him about this much. All right? Even though we've said we give him our heart. Because we still decide on what we're going to do with our money, what our time, who our friends are going to be, what we watch, if you know what I mean. We've still got control of that. But gently God speaks into our life and he gets more and more of our heart. Do these verses encourage us to be looking further than just living a good Christian life? We need to be seeking God for the very purpose of our existence. And that's really what I want to talk about today. And to say enough is enough. I just don't want to just be going to work or painting my house. You know, what is it that you have for me? So hence the title of my message today is... Say, let's say it together. Tell the person beside you. Get out of the boat. I don't know if it's true, but they say that bananas aren't allowed on boats. Is that true? <laughs> I wanted to look at the very familiar passage of Scripture in a new light, especially in the light of what God is saying to us now as a church and to us as individuals. Jesus, having spent 
you know, the following day ministering to thousands, including the miracles of the loaves and fishes, and he was now walking across the Sea of Galilee. If you can imagine that. He'd been, he'd done all these mighty miracles. He'd sent the disciples away. He'd gone to spend time with the Father, and now he's walking across the Sea of Galilee. <laughs> all right? So picking up from um, verse 22 in chapter 14. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. And Peter got down out of the boat walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. Now, we know the rest is history, don't we? But this story is not about us all walking on the water. That would be silly, really. Imagine if we were defined as Christians by those funny people that walk on water. You can just think about that. It wasn't designed to show us that we need to be getting out of boats and walking on water. No, it's about stepping out in faith to do what God asks each of us to do. But I must admit, it can still be as scary as walking on water. If you've ever been out in a boat, you must have thought about this verse, really. You've looked down at the water and thought, well, Peter did it, you know. But it's not there for us. I heard of a tragic story where three young Christian ladies decided to cross a river and they just believed, they said, we're going to believe for this verse as they tried to cross a swollen river that they'd been cut off from the other side. Well, it ended tragically, all right? It wasn't the time to be walking on water at that stage. The Apostle Paul tells us to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And this is the point, that we look to him for what he's saying to us. He knew to accomplish all God has for us or even to go through the trials that come our way. Fixing our eyes on Jesus and his word will help us through every situation. Peter was probably just as afraid as the other disciples. They said they were fearful in the boat. They thought they'd seen a ghost. It's interesting that the Bible mentions ghosts in several places. Some people don't believe in them, but some people don't believe in God. And he said, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. I remember back in you know, the 80s or 90s, Sally and I owned a piece of land down at the east coast of the Coromandel. And one day when I was talking to the Lord about my finances, I felt him firmly but gently telling me to sell the section and pay my debts. I owed my dad some money and I also had a mortgage. It was a happy place, though, near the beach, and we spent most of our holidays going down there. The, the, the benefits of the East Coast, as you know, you know, the, the sand was white. It was just a, a very picturesque place. It wasn't right on the water, but it was five minutes' walk from the beach. And we enjoyed that section with family and friends. I sometimes didn't actually enjoy trying to fix the pump shed or mow the lawns, but, you know, and the, but those sort of things. But... I really felt God impressing me that I needed to sell it. And of course, it was going to be a great way to get out of debt, but it wasn't going to be an easy ask. Sally Ann had already told me that over her dead body. 
So you're just weighing that up, you know, just weighing that up. <laughs> but <laughs> I had to say to the Lord, you need to talk to Sally Ann, you know, just talking to me. You got to talk to her. So just after I paused, I didn't tell her straight away. But then when it came time, I thought, you know, I needed to tell Sally Ann. And Sally Ann said, yep, I can understand that. But it wasn't easy. It wasn't an easy thing just to sell the section. We had a caravan on there. We had, a, you know, a pump shed, a utility shed. It was a nice place to go. But I really felt God was wanting us to do that. So we put it on the market in obedience to God. And uh, it didn't sell. You know, the, that summer came and we enjoyed Christmas down there again. And the whole next year it didn't sell. So we actually enjoyed two more Christmases before it did sell. As if God was saying, yep, you've obeyed me now. Now I just want to teach you a few things about patience and about trust in me. But it also gave us a chance to say goodbye in a way, you know, and, and pack up. It wasn't just a harsh cut. So it took 18 months to sell and, and we were gracious for that. But it was a step of faith. It was a step of obedience. But it opened up opportunities that had never entered our minds. And I mentioned the verses before. The eye has not seen, nor the ear can see, you know, the ear heard, or the mind can see the plans I have for you. And I had no idea what God was planning for us. But for us, getting out of the boat was selling something dear to us, selling something that we had enjoyed for years. I realized afterwards we were tied to it. It was a, a wall blocking what God wanted us to do in our lives. And it wasn't sin. And it wasn't a rut. But in God's eyes, it was time to move on. And I believe there's people here today that God is also saying to you, there's time for you to do something. There's time to move on. So stepping out of the boat takes faith. Leaving something behind takes faith. We know, and I'm gonna, we're going to look at Abraham now in the Genesis 12. The Lord had said to Abraham, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram left, as the Lord had told him. And Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he set out for Haram. All right? Give me a wave if you're over 75. You didn't hear. You're not. Yeah, man. All right. But, no, she's only teasing me. The, the thing is that... God has a plan for us. And when we look at the Bible as our example, it doesn't, age just does not matter to God. Amen. And even though he had heard God's voice, he didn't know where he was going. All he knew was God would bless him and look after him. And isn't that all we want, really, when you think about it? That God will look after us and bless us? But what's our part doing what he asks us to do? In Hebrews 11, where the heroes of faith are listed, most verses start with, by faith, Abel, by faith, Enoch, by faith, Noah, by faith, Abraham. And amongst these heroes of faith, Paul says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. 
And that's what draws us into that list. Noah, Moses, Abraham, Gideon, Jeremiah, Paul, they all commenced the call without really knowing the outcome. We know because we've read the story. But Gideon didn't know what was going to happen. He didn't even know if his life was going to be spared when God said, I want you to be a mighty man and go into battle. It was the same for me and probably the same for you. God asked us to do something other, often without telling us the outcome. He asked us to do it, but doesn't really tell us how it's going to end up. It's encouraging to know that God will look after his people, his children. I believe stepping into the will of God is the best thing we can ever do. Danny Shelton, in nine, I just want to, I don't know if you've heard of him. But in 1984, Danny was a gospel-singing carpenter. He'd been widowed two years previously after losing his wife in a tragic car accident. He was bringing up his children on his own. Danny was watching TV, and he was becoming more and more upset with the lack of truthful content on some of the God TV channels. It was during one of these remonstrations with God that the Holy Spirit challenged Danny to build a television station himself one that would reach the world. Now, if you could just imagine that. That's just you and me. You're sitting in your living room. You're saying, what a load of rubbish is on TV. All right? And God says to you, well, why don't you build your own TV station? And what would you say? Where did that come from? <laughs> you know? And so if you imagine that's, what, that's how God speaks to us. It's in those times. It's absolutely impossible. Do you feel God is asking you to do something seemingly impossible? Anybody want to wave to me and say, I think God's challenged me in my life? Anybody? Has that happened to anybody else? There's hands going up. God said, I've got something for you. In his book entitled Mending Broken People, Danny outlines miracle after miracle after miracle that saw God's commission become possible. And as of 2005, when he actually wrote the book, or published the book, eight satellites, over 250 television stations, 58 radio stations, and more than 250 cable systems, and a global internet service carrying three ABN programming around the world. So in that time, that's what God achieved through Danny. God had a job to do, and Danny was willing to take the challenge and get out of the boat. Now, at the start, he didn't have a clue, but he started asking people that might have had a clue. He started looking for bits and pieces that he could cobble a station together. He wanted a piece of land, and these things started happening where he realized that God had had this planned long ago. The land that was given to him, the the power, one that he woke up in fright one night, realizing that he needed three-phase power or something like that. And he rang up the engineer, or the engineer actually rang up with fright and said, oh, I think I've, I've put your crook. He said, you need power out to that section. And, and strong power, this is going to cost a fortune. So in the middle of the night, these two got up and they started at town and they started shining their torches on power poles all the way out looking for three-phase power until they got right out to the section. So they weren't expecting to see it at the section, but they, so they started in town. Where would be the best place that we could plug in this station? And the power pole right outside the section had that three-phase power on it. 
How could that happen? It's out in the country. Well, apparently, when they were putting the network through, they had to travel to get polarity or something. They were traveling the wires this way. The power company, years before, had to do another angle and just put power out that way, something to do with power. And it was right to the section that he had been given. You know what I mean? That's happened. That doesn't happen with him sitting in the, in the living room. So God's planning something for your life, and it may have started it years before. It excites me. You know, God had a plan for Sally and I, and we only stepped into it when we sold the section. We were tied to it. We were tied to a certain lifestyle. God opened door after door for us. Short mission trips opened up in Bangladesh, Cambodia, India, Thailand, and Singapore. And now the icing on the cake, Kaitaia. How about that? Oh, who's excited about that? God's taken us all the way around the world and brought us here. Well, I'm excited about it. God has many jobs planned and has been working towards bringing them about, but he still needs people willing to partner with him. In his book, Danny mentions other people that were also impressed by God to set up the satellite TV station, but for one reason or another, never got started. One lady said, I wanted to do it, so I went to friends and church family to get counsel. They convinced me that I didn't know enough to start such a thing. They told me I, it was impossible, so I gave up. I felt I needed to learn more, so right now I am studying video technology. I decided to put it off until I was successfully trained. We can. We can see in the Bible that um, people like Joseph's brothers weren't very happy about his vision. Um, who else? King David. You know, when he went to the battle and his brothers told him to push off. You know, just a nosy parker. There are other people in the Bible that the family weren't, you know, too keen on the vision. But I think we need to go to wise counsel. And I think this is what Danny did. He went to people who knew something about the business and got started there. You know, Abraham wasn't trained. He was about to become the father of nations. Peter wasn't trained to walk on water. When Sally and I traveled overseas, we really didn't know what we were getting into. I had only been a pastor for two months when invited to India and Singapore and was the newest pastor teaching leadership at an Indian pastor's seminar. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> my little bundle of notes that I'd gathered in my time as a Christian. But they were hungry. They were hungry for the word of God. And fortunately, I was being translated, so it gave me time to think. I'd say a line and then pause. They would argue over what I said, and then I'd start again. <laughs> well, yeah, the interpreter apparently wasn't getting it right, and they were criticizing him. And he'd say, well, you, you do it. <laughs> it just helped me have a bit more time. You know what pastors are like, anyway. You too may not be trained for what God is calling you to do. But Jesus said, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Now don't get me wrong, training is important. Teachers, nurses, doctors, pilots, uh, translators, missionaries, the list is long of people trained, dedicated, and sacrificially serving the Lord at home and abroad. 
and I have met many of them. What I am saying is God, if God calls, if God is urging you to get started, take the first step. Don't say I'm not qualified or under-resourced. That's what I'm saying. Don't look to ourselves and say I can't do it. That's not the point. Peter couldn't walk on water. That's the point of it. He just said, if that's you, tell me to come. Jesus said, come. And that's what I'm trying to say out of that verse. God's saying, come, come. You know, God often spoke with Abraham to encourage him. He reminded him that it says, I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you. And kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant. This is what God does. He encourages us. And Abraham's role, he says, as for you, you must keep my covenant. And you and descendants after you for generations to come. So God can be quite clear. He said, this is my role. This is your role. Just get busy with your role and I will look after you. There's a saying that says, God's will, God's bill. I've mentioned it before, all right? God's will, God's bill. If it's God's project, then he will finance it. If it's our project, he may not fi finance it. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for the red sports car or whatever. <laughs> or the Triumph motorbike. <laughs> you know? But if it's God's will, he will finance it. And there is people in this room that God has called you, and you may be worried about money. Don't worry about money at all. Don't worry about it. Say to God, okay, God, you're calling me. You will provide. Jesus' ministry, he never lacked anything and was still well able to miraculously feed thousands. Even small things like the donkey he rode into Jerusalem and the upper room for the Last Supper. It was just provided for him. And that's what God wants to show us. The Apostle Paul tells us, and my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And if we could see that verse where it follows the generosity of the Philippians. But do we believe it? That's the thing. Do we actually believe God will look after us? In the late 19th century, God called George Muller to provide for thousands of orphans by faith alone. Thousands of orphans. By faith alone. Muller committed to asking only God, not men, for provision. And that could be hard. And God came through. The orphans never went hungry, even if it meant God waking somebody up to break bread and bake bread in the middle of the night or to have a milk truck break down outside the orphanage <laughs> when the cupboards were bare. He still came through. I, uh, there was one story where they had nothing, but they got round the table, and they got their Bibles out, and they prayed. And he said, my, you know, we do not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. And there was a knock on the door. What faith would that build into the children, you know, sitting down to nothing on the table? And that's what I encourage people to do. Pay all your bills. Leave the food to last. If you've got no money, pay all the bills. Be a good Christian. Don't be getting into debt. Don't let people say, oh, those Christians, they never pay their bill. Pay your bills. And forget about the house, forget about the food. Frank's looking at me. Frank. <laughs> Not looking at Frank, but some people have spare. <laughs> but 
God can bring food along. He does it. He can put in somebody's heart to bring something to the house. Anybody here had something come to the door? Give me a wave. Anything? That happens. And God puts it in somebody's heart to do that. And there's the lovely people that do take that as well. You know? Imagine sitting at the table and saying to your children, you know, we're just going to trust in God. Mullah saw his heavenly father as his provider. He understood this relationship. In the book of James, James tells us, you do not have because you do not ask God. And then he says, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. God's will, God's bill, all right? Some of those things you've just got to fork up. Now, Reese Howells, I don't know if you've heard of him either, but he was a powerful evangelist and minister at the time of the Welsh revival. And he recounts a story when he was called to Africa. And he was a man that had to tr- learn to trust God for finances as well. And God taught him many things in this area, step by step. And you think you get better at it and you get more and more money. But through kind donations, well, God asked him to go to Africa, and he said, okay, if you want me to go to Africa, I want to see 10,000 souls saved. He knew that he wanted to go on a mission, but he said, I'll do a bargain. You give me 10,000 souls, and I'll go to Africa. So that was what he was bargaining. And through kind donations, he and his wife had received boat fares to Africa. But he had no money for the train tickets to London to board the boat. It's interesting, hey, so you get all that provided, but you don't actually have the train ticket fare to get there. So on the day of departure came, he still didn't have enough money, but decided to travel as far as the money would allow. So getting off about 20 miles from his home, he was now completely dependent on God. And the people that were with him, like his family, who wanted to see him off in London, they'd come on the train with him, they got off with him. And they had to change trains at that time, but they didn't know he didn't have any money to carry on. All right, so now he's begun his journey, and he's at the train station. Anybody been there? Been to the bus stop? Been to the airport? You still haven't got any money for your fare? So the Spirit spoke to me, saying, if you had money, what would you do? He said, I'd take my place in the queue at the booking office, I said. The Holy Spirit then reminded him about his preaching. Well, are you not preaching that my promises are equal to current coin? You had better take your place in the queue. You've got to picture this as if this is you, all right? So there was nothing I could do except obey. Then when about a dozen people from the front, the devil chimed in. The devil said, now you have only a few people in front of you, and when your turn comes, you will have to walk on through. The Holy Spirit had reminded Reese about his preaching to encourage him. Now the devil reminded Reese about his preaching to discourage him saying, you have preached much about Moses with the Red Sea in front and the Egyptians behind, but now you are the one shut in. Now, it's interesting, isn't it, that the devil's listening to my preaching. All right? He's listening to our prayers as well when we speak out loud. But Reese wasn't to be deterred. Yes, shut in, Reese answered, but like Moses, I'll be gloriously led out. And when only two from the front of the queue, a man stepped up out of the crowd, giving Reese his family's fear. 
Praise God. But the test of faith, God says, just do it, and I will come through. I will do my part. I love that story. It challenges me to be to my part and let God do his. God called Reese to Africa, and he was showing him all he had to do was trust. I hope you're seeing, if God is speaking to you, what our part is. Step out of the boat. Stand in the line. Stretch out your staff. Speak to your mountain. Whatever it is, take a step of faith. The rewards are far beyond your imagination. I want to look at a truly hopeless situation every sense, and yet the power of God turned it into a glorious victory. And it's found in 2 Kings 6 and 7. Samaria was under siege by Ben-Hadad, king of Aram. There was a great famine in the city, and the siege lasted so long that a donkey's head sold for 80 shekels of silver. That's about a kilo of silver. And a quarter of a cab of seed pods for five shekels. So that's about 55 grams or something. So it was a lot of money for very little. So picking up in chapter 7 in uh, verse 3 there. Now there were... Four men with leprosy at the entrance of the city gate. They said to each other, why stay here until we die? If we say we'll go into the city, the famine is there and we will die. And if we stay here, we will die. So let's go over to the camp of the Arameans and surrender. If they spare us, we live. If they kill us, then we die. So it was a pretty hopeless situation, don't you reckon? You're lepers, you're outside the city. Food is very expensive in the city. Well, let's just go off to the enemy. So that's their thought. Not much of a choice, but fortunately they decided for the bolder plan and took action. At dusk, they got up and went to the camp of the Arameans. When they reached the edge of the camp, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the Arameans to hear the sound of chariots and horses and a great army so that... They said to one another, look, the king of Israel has hired the Hittite and Egyptian kings to attack us. So they got up and fled in the dusk and abandoned their tents and their horses and donkeys. They left the camp as it was and ran for their lives. You've got a few lepers walking up the road. <laughs> what are the lepers doing? Walking up, moaning or, you know, saying they're going to die anyway. And what does the Arameans hear? Uh-oh, we've got a huge army coming after us. You see, that's our little bit and God's big bit. The men who had leprosy reached the edge of the camp, entered one of the tents and ate and drank. Then they took silver, gold, and clothes and went off and hid them. They returned and entered another tent and took some things from it and hid them also. Then they said to each other, Uh-oh. What we're doing is not right. This is a day of good news, and we are keeping it to ourselves. If we wait until daylight, punishment will overtake us. Let's go at once and report this to the royal palace. The, the lepers took a very bold step out of desperation, but through that, God performed a mighty miracle. All they did was walk up the road. God put fear into the enemy. Now, you can see where I'm, I'm trying to go with all this, about our part and God's part. Even if we look at, you know, Peter getting out of the boat, what was 
our part. Obedience. What was his part? Mighty, mighty miracles. You know, in India, you know, I, at that time when God took me overseas, you know, I started to see miracle after miracle. More miracle. I've seen more miracles overseas than I really have here in New Zealand. It was just like people that God gets people's attention. They're not even believers in Jesus Christ. You can preach miracles all you like, but people want to see them overseas, and then they understand there's a God. You know, he got my attention. Miracle. People lined up for miracles and praying for them, praying for them. And then the next few days they'd be back seeing the pastor and saying, I want your God. You know, because it changed their lives. The story of the lepers reminds me really of the story about two friends, an elephant and a mouse crossing a swing bridge, if you can imagine that. When they reach the center, the mouse exclaims, boy, are we causing the bridge to sway? And that's what it's like. I don't know if anybody gets that. But who was causing the bridge to sway? The elephant. But the mouse saw it as they were both doing it. And that's really what us with God. You know, we're the mouse and God's the elephant. And together we can cause the bridge to sway. But it's a team. What ministry, significant or insignificant, what high or lowly job has God got for you? What miracles are waiting to happen through your calling? Something that connects God with humanity through you. And that's what God is wanting to do. He wants to connect with people through everyone in this room. Every single one in this room. I want to show you a video of a man who didn't see a burning bush, but nevertheless had a burning bush experience. He saw something that touched his heart.
that doesn't touch you, what does? You know, when I first saw it, it, it touched me, but I didn't know it was going to make me cry today. You hear about things, but just seeing the photos. Many, many babies. They say New Zealand, so far as buried, aborted babies, the size of Wellington, I think. It's huge. But what I'm saying is God can get our attention in different ways. He can speak to us. That was a burning bush. Don't look at it as a, a, a tree that's going to be burning in your backyard. Look at it as an opportunity. There's nobody in this room that God hasn't got a plan for. If you feel you are in God's plan, fulfilling his purposes for your life, thank you. This community needs you. This church needs you. And we need you. But if not, you really have three choices. If God has been talking to you, we need to get out of the boat. We need to take the first step, get moving on what he has been asking us to do. As Pastor Tark said, expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. But not with reckless abandon either. Have a chat with those you know who give wise counsel. Proverbs 15.22 says, Plans fail for lack of wise counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. And if you haven't heard from God yet, which is the second choice, if you haven't heard, ask God to tell you his plan for you. Be real before God. As James said, you have not because you ask not. I lay on the floor one night. I was angry. I don't know who I was angry at. I was just angry. I remember lying on the floor, banging the floor, saying, God, is my life just about painting my house and going to work? What have you got for me? It may not be the season right now. You may even be going through turmoil. But ask God his plans for you. Use the time to come to hear his voice. Be alert. We're never separated from God. No matter what the devil is trying to do in your life. And unfortunately, there's a third option. And that is to do nothing. Unfortunately, this is often the easiest option. But also the most unrewarding. You know, I'm glad Tong chose to do something. You can see him on Facebook if you want. Tong Fuik. No, I won't. And another name. Look it up, the orphanage. People now are donating because, you know, it's getting known. And, but one man started something. And I love seeing, you know, ministries that have, but you see them after 10, 20, 30 years and you think, what amazing things have happened. But it started just with one step of obedience. So resist the option to do nothing. And it's not CU's vision. This is not doing nothing. This is taking the word of God, the, the Holy Spirit, igniting and going to the nations. That's what we're about. That's why you're here. That's why God has called you here. Every one of you is called here for this vision. It's not about just what we do on Sunday. It's not 
That is valuable. I love what happens here on a Sunday. It's about what's happening during the week. I know that. Serving God is just not my part here on a Sunday. It's not just the musician's part. Sure, we need that to, to have the house run. It's what are we doing from Monday to Saturday? Are we making a difference? I want to just pray for people. That you know the calling is on you. And I also want to pray for those that have yet to hear God's voice. I feel strongly the sense of the Holy Spirit here at the moment. I'm not going to ask anybody to come up. I'm just going to ask those that believe that God has called you to something to place your hand on your heart. You don't have to put your hand up. Just place your hand on your heart. Close your eyes. If God hasn't yet spoken to you, also place your hand on your heart. If you don't want to do anything, don't do anything. But I challenge you, you're not too old and you're not too young. Before I pray, I just, for the young people, I, when I was a young person, I lived two lives. I rode with a bikey gang, but I also tried to live a good life. And I tried to keep them separate. It didn't really work. But God called me into the Wilson home as a young teenager to go and visit kids that were dying. They would only live a short time, but they still needed people to love them and read stories to them. They still needed people to push them around in their carts because they, they didn't have arms or they didn't have legs. So young people, you've still got a job to do. And I think through that, I came to know God in a greater way and gave away the other lifestyle. Lord, so Lord, Lord, this is just a watershed in, in people's lives. It's a time where the train has stopped and we're taking on water. And we're asking you, Lord, to help us to step into what you're speaking into our lives. Those who have placed their hands on their heart because they know you are calling them. They know that they have a plan they know that you have a plan for their life. No matter, they're not, don't, they don't know all the whole the details, but Lord, you've challenged them in an area. I just pray, Lord Jesus, that for them, that they will have the courage to step out and take that first step. That they'll fix their eyes on you, the author and perfecter of their faith. They will step out into the beginning of what you have for them. That they will do their part, knowing, Lord, that you will do your part. I pray for great fruitfulness, dear Lord, in this church. I pray for great fruitfulness in the people that you have sitting here this morning. And this 
city, this town, this region will be reached for you in a powerful way. Nations, Lord, will be impacted through people sitting here today. And those that have yet to hear that voice, Lord, I pray with them, Lord, speak to us. Help us to hear. Help us to see, Lord. Show us clearly what you have for each one of us, Lord. Do not let this go past. In your wonderful name, amen. Amen. I really believe there's a real anointing I don't you know here today. Let's step into that. Let's not let that go. It's the word of the Lord. If Pastor Tark is God's giving it to him, expect great things for God, attempt great things. And he's speaking to me at the same time in my home when I'm preparing this before he even spoke. He's talking to us as a church. And he's talking to me too. Hallelujah. Lord, we just thank you for people like Tong. We thank you for these people that show us. But we also thank you, Lord, for the people that are in this house, Lord, that have stepped into what you have for them and are, and are, are walking down that path right now. Bless them, dear Lord. Make them fruitful. Watch over them and keep them safe. Hallelujah. But I also want to speak to those who have yet to ask Jesus into your heart. All right? That's the key. I don't like saying too much about my life, but, you know, at an early age, I think, shall I let that out of the box? But, you know, I was enjoying riding motorbikes. I was enjoying, you know, that lifestyle. All right? But also God got my attention, and it was a better lifestyle. I had to choose at some stage, go that way or go that way. And really, that way was just drinking and all sorts of nonsense and fights you know, God looked after me in that area, but some crazy things happened. But God got my attention through his love. His love wanted to touch other people, and his love loves you. If you've never given your heart to the Lord, today is the day. Today is the day of salvation. God said, for, I, I so loved you, I sent my only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. I've heard people say, look, if God loves me, why doesn't he heal me? Or if God loves me, why doesn't he save my father? Or if God loves me, this and this. We know God loves us because his Son died on the cross. That's all that has to happen. That's it. If that's the only thing God ever does for us, pay the penalty for our sins so that we can, when we die, we can go to heaven. It doesn't matter about the rest. But God's not like that. He wants to walk with you. He wants to be with you. He wants you to be successful, just like Abraham. So if anybody would like to accept Jesus into their heart, Anybody who hasn't done that today would like to do that, just give me a wave. Just indicate to me. Whether you're at the front or you're at the back, give me a wave. Today is the day of salvation. All right? Anybody want to do that? 